Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Yeah, gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. And I can't get it out of my head. Cause I won't use discretion when I'm talking about obsession. Cause this is what makes me me. And I'm glad that I called ya. I'm talking about nostalgia. And this is where I wanna be. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Yeah, gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Good evening, everybody. You're listening to another episode of the Gimme Podcast. I'm your host and resident horse girl, as I always say. Uh, we have on a very funny comedian who I want to say I found actually through her TikTok, which is pretty, she's got a pretty good TikTok following. Uh, she's a writer and comedian. Uh, we have on Sarah White. Hi, Sarah. Hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I am good. Oh my gosh. My power just went out. But it's fine. We're good. We got a ring light. <laughs> Wait, is there like a storm or like, are you just, there's, there's not, <laughs> my dad's trying to change a light bulb and it's oh. clearly going in a different direction than expected, but the sure. ring light has come in clutch on many power outages. So we we're good. <laughs> we're okay. Um, so I know, I know I haven't met you in person, but I, I do know that you're a comic and how has how has things been going for you during the pandemic? Like, have you had a major shift in comedy? Yeah, although it's it's been a positive shift. Like, I was doing so. I uh, am a contributor for Reductress and was doing some other satire writing. Was writing sketches, but oh, the power's the back. power's back. magical, just in time. Um, so was doing a few of my own recorded sketches, like per year. Um, more on the writing side and when quarantine hit is when I really got into TikTok and started feeling like I'm ready to do front facing stuff. Um, I've never done stand up like I never had yeah. that experience of doing specifically comedy in real life in front of people like I did theater forever which kind of we'll discuss later I'm sure but yeah um, yeah. yeah yeah so did that but yeah this was really the first year that I did a bunch of front-facing videos and was able to connect with people over them and um, got great responses to some things on TikTok. And I was like, this is so amazing that it's the first time I'm really getting back into, or doing for the first time, really any front-facing comedy of my own and having this positive response to it. Yeah. And it's funny because all of your TikToks remind me of like very nostalgic things that like we've all been th like there, there was one that you posted recently I feel like it was like you at the mall or something and I was like oh that's definitely something that I have like been through or maybe it was some a school yeah. dance or something I just yeah got yeah. all of the above yeah <laughs> I have yeah and I was like how does she get these ideas and then I was like oh I guess if you dive back deep enough into like your nostalgia hole you can like find them yeah. And I, so I came home, I was living in LA, came home to live with my parents in June of last year. Um, so when I came home, I had so many more resources than I did in my apartment in LA. And I have basically instructed my parents to keep like all of the clothes and stuff in my room. So I have everything like tchotchkes everywhere, clothes everywhere. So I've been going through clothes I had as a kid and as a teenager, and that's been sparking some of the things um some of the videos like there's a happy bunny shirt that I found yes. that I was like oh 
I forgot about this and it's such a visceral memory. And then I, I did a video buying coffee for the first time as like a tween and wore that shirt. And the response to the shirt was unreal, but did trigger that yeah. little nostalgia button, um, which yeah. is fun for everybody, I think, yeah. and I hope. Well, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. I brought you on to talk about your obsession, which you said was Shakespeare and yes. Shakespeare camp. Shakespeare camp. <laughs> and it's funny because as somebody who went to a very specific camp, like I went to horse camp. Yeah. I completely was oblivious to the idea that out there, there are Shakespeare camps. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I don't know how many there are or if there are, if there are others like me, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's very specialized. Um, was your horseback riding camp, was it a sleepaway camp or like a day camp? Uh, so I've been to both. I've been to right. versions of both, but my more like visceral memories come from the sleepaway camps. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause but, mine but, was a day camp, which yeah. I feel like adds to the bizarreness of this whole situation. Yeah. Cause that makes me feel like it's more localized as opposed to like people are traveling to go to this specialty camp and like staying overnight. Yeah. This is like residents of a very specific area of New York and Connecticut all coming okay. together to do Shakespeare um, in like two week sessions over a summer. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. Yes. So you said at the, be like just a couple minutes ago that you were into theater. So is that how you got into Shakespeare initially or was it some other, like, how did that all start? Yeah. So I was always into theater forever. And then I was trying to think about the timeline of this. And I think it really sparked when a friend of mine who I grew up with and we're still friends, we watched the Reduced Shakespeare Company. If you've ever seen it, they do like basically parody of a bunch of Shakespeare. Oh, yes. Plays. Yeah. It's yeah, so yeah. funny. It's so good. And we would just watch it over and over um, in her house. And I think that stuck with me and something about it was so, I don't know, like funny, but also elevated. And then in fifth grade, I was okay. in like this gifted students program at school. We like met before school and they did a production of Romeo and Juliet. So I was like, I don't know, like 10, 11 being like, I need to be Juliet in this like morning club production of Romeo and Juliet that was getting put on at a nearby SUNY campus, wow. just a whole thing. So I got the role of Juliet and I was living like I was in peak You're form like, this is my peak yeah. yeah and I think also I was very very like romance obsessed too and I think I equated Shakespeare to kissing which is not okay. the case but I if I'm being honest about it I think that played into the interest at first but then there was this camp in my area that was like all Shakespeare and you learned lines and put on a whole production in two weeks and that was kind of the sell of it and I was I was totally sold and I did that for several summers uh there on after okay so I have to say that I agree with you on the the romance aspect because I think we're like taught from an early age that like Romeo and Juliet is like the pinnacle of romance for some totally. reason totally 
but it's it like I'm sure you had to read Romeo and Juliet at some point. Oh yeah. And it's like not I mean, it's it's kind of sad. Right. Like it's it's kind of a bummer. It's partially just stupid and it's it's fun when you're young. I think it's more fun to play a romantic role yeah. than to absorb the story as a romance. At, at least for me, I was like, I get to be in love in this show and that's so fun because I don't do that in real life. And <laughs> we were also like, what, eleven, you said? Yeah, yeah. In my mind, I think I was aged up. But yeah, no, it was definitely an outlet for this fantasy, even though the story itself really is is not. Yeah, yeah. And so then, uh, so if you did that at 11, then it sounds like you went to the summer camps like pretty soon after that. Like after Romeo and Juliet, yeah. It was sometime around there. I don't remember exactly when it started, but I went to them... And until I was older than I'd like to admit, probably like early teens, that's fine. I went into it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, several summers met a lot of good friends. I was actually texting with a friend that I have currently who's from that camp, and I was like, "Can you remind me of some of these things from camp?" Because I'm doing this podcast, and I want to make sure I remember everything. And we were just talking about it, and he was like, "Whoa, like <laughs> some of this stuff we did." Like what? Like do you have like bad or fu- or stupid Just or funny? Like we were talking about how all of the productions were themed, so we oh. were in punk rock Hamlet. Wait, and- okay. So did they pick for each year? Did they pick like a one Shakespeare play, and then you they had a twist on it? Yeah, I think it was one or two per session. Okay. And and they all had a twist. So there was also, um, my friend was telling me that we did alien themed comedy of errors, which I had no recollection of. But he was like, yeah, I remember I was in green face paint and like antennae. I was like, I don't, I must have blocked that out. But um, oh my I'm God. Trying to we did like a 50s high school Greece style production of one thing. Um these yeah, like themes are so like so varied just so across strange yeah. wait did you say you did a punk version of hamlet yes i think that was the first show that i did i am not surprised by that because i think the college the university i went to tried to do a punk version of hamlet at one no point. way yeah 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 and i was like we're in a midwest university like we should just be sticking to how it's written like you guys right. don't know what you're doing it's a big undertaking to yeah. put a theme on it because then you're doing i mean we did full costumes that were i think from hot topic i think we like splattered paint on costumes we're like cutting stuff up yeah and yeah, it's interesting. Hamlet is kind of punk as a story. Yeah. I so, mean, uh, I I think Hamlet is probably my favorite of the Shakespeare works that I've seen or read. Yeah. Um, so I have to ask, did you have to like help build the sets and stuff like that? Or was that already done at summer camp or like? I think, I kind of don't remember. I okay. think we... I think we did some portion of the set building together, but we also had these amazing counselors who were just like really nice people and great actors. And they, yeah, I don't know what they were doing with us, but they just crushed it in terms of getting the show to get like two weeks. And the first week of 
whatever session it was, we would just kind of play theater games and stuff. And then it was really in that second week where we learned a whole show. And now as an adult, I'm like, that's really impressive for these kids. Yeah, that's like super fast. Cause I, I'm hearing two weeks and I'm thinking to myself like, oh, they're learning the whole show over a two week period. But if you're playing games and icebreakers and getting to know each other, like yeah, in, in five sessions, you're suddenly ready to like perform a play. Yeah, it's truly wild. And I think they were slightly abridged versions of the shows, but not yeah. that much. It was a lot of line learning. And was it a mixed age group? Like, was it young and old kids or? Yeah, I want to say it was from on the younger side, maybe like nine-year-olds up okay. to like six. I think 16 was the max. And you're like, I was only there till I was 14. Right. I was like, I ducked out. Honestly, I could have been there till I was 16. I would not put it past myself. Uh, Yeah. So it was a wide age range of people for sure. Super wide age range. And how did the casting work? Like, were you competing for spots or like, I I mean, do you have any stories of like uh, backstabbing at any of these camps? I, I don't think so I mean I think internally because I was such like an internal diva I created in my head maybe drama that didn't exist it I was like they all want to be you know Lady Macbeth but I got that I was not Lady Macbeth but I I think overall it actually was pretty it was pretty tame I feel like during the game sometimes where Mm -hmm. you'd be doing like an improv scene or something one person here and there would get really into it or start doing the improv scene like a little bit closer than the, to the counselor who is going to cast or just kind of really getting getting in there. But it was not super overt, which is almost funnier because I feel like a competitive theater camp makes sense to me. And then this really like good natured kind of like, let's all do this together. Shakespeare camp is <laughs> It's also surprising because you're saying it's like people from Connecticut and New York. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just picturing a bunch of like, you're going to be really talented. Like we got to get you into every program we can, you know, pa- you type think. of parent. <laughs> you would think. I, I feel like it's a very specific type of kid who wants to go to Shakespeare camp. Because that was the thing. Okay. Everybody wanted to be there on their own accord. I don't think anyone, shockingly, got pushed into it. Um, and so- what type of kid goes to Shakespeare theater camp? Ooh, that's a great question. It's, it was kind of a mix. I think there were the theater kids who were very theatery. Mm-hmm. And then there were some really cool people. And that was what was interesting to me. And they tended to be the older kids who were maybe in like the 13 to 16 range. Sure. And there were a couple who were just very chill. Um, I don't even know how they got there. But even presently, I'm like, why did you do this? And I don't have an answer to it. But the rest (laughs) were definitely theater kids or kids who I feel like were very loud in class. That was not me. But there were a couple of people who I could sense it. Interesting. I could see that. I could see like one of those kids who I could see that for sure. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Did you have a favorite production that you did when you were there? Ooh, I I love doing As You Like It, okay. um, which was 1920s theme. So it was all flappers 
kind of costuming. Um, yeah, but but it was fun. I was Phoebe in that show and I literally had to look up the synopsis of the show today to reacquaint myself with it because I, I fully forgot, um, which is funny also, like I thought I'd retain all of like this I information. I would retain this obsession. Yeah, yeah. I, I really lost it, but I liked that because again, in my head at the time, I was like my own character in this like theater camp drama I created in my own head. Yeah. But um, yeah, Phoebe is a kind of sassy character, um, which was fun because compared to these other kids who were a, either theater kids or who were kind of loud or seemed like they'd be loud in class, I was really quiet in oh. school. I was definitely like not super popular but this was my thing and even when I did theater I wasn't really getting main parts except for that one one Romeo and Juliet okay yeah um so yeah I once I started getting bigger parts or more sassy or kind of conniving parts in these Shakespeare shows I felt super empowered by it I was like I'm a badass at Shakespeare camp yeah (laughs) bar is low but it's actually kind of cool Because like, I mean, I think a lot of theater, tell me if I'm wrong, but in my experience, the theater kids in general are kind, a lot of them actually are kind of quiet kids. Like who you don't expect to be like able to perform on stage. Yeah. Yeah. That's so real. And I think that's what drew people back to this because not only was it theater, but I think I think it was kind of a good feeling to feel like I'm smart enough to do Shakespeare. Like yeah. I'm doing a real theater and <laughs> you're, you know, young and feeling like I can do this. And that I think did make people end up speaking up or feel more confident by the end of each session. Cause they're doing this production. They're getting bigger parts than they maybe did in the school play, um, which was cool. It was a cool thing to see as people grew up. Yeah. The language is the language like, I've never been in a in a Shakespeare play. I've done plays before. I just feel like being young and having to like learn that old language has to be difficult on top of like taking on a big role in a play. Yeah, for sure. I remember making flashcards for each of my lines so I could just review line by line and make sure I got every word. But also in the exercises we did, for instance, we would have like a list of Shakespearean insults and we'd what? be like throwing those around. <laughs> that was like a, a warm up exercise we'd do. So I feel like maybe in that first week when we were doing improv games, we were getting more exposed than we thought. Like we just thought we were cursing each other out, but we were getting exposed to this language as we went along. What does a Shakespearean insult sound like? Like, would you have an example? Oh my God. I feel like, let's see. I feel like shrew or like hag. <laughs> I want to say weasel that doesn't feel right but it it feels like it's in the genre but they are kind of satisfying words to say yeah I do mouth something for some reason I'm picturing like yo mama jokes with a Shakespeare twist I feel like that's what we did I feel like it was like wild and out but we'd have we each have our (laughs) list and we stood across and would insult each other in Shakespearean terms it's coming back to me as I say it that's so funny and outside of like your Shakespeare camp did you 
read any of the, like, did you read any Shakespeare? Or, like, did you do anything else, like, during the, the, the school year that involved Shakespeare at all? So I bought myself a set of plays, <laughs> like, from, I, I think I got it on sale at Borders when Borders existed. R.I.P. R.I.P. We miss it. And it was I just like these small little copies, like really small text versions of like 10 or 12 plays. And I remember being so happy I got those, committed to reading them. Did I don't think I read that. Like, I don't think I read, you know, the Henrys or the Richards or yeah. just those kind of intense uh, political dramas. But I really liked uh, Midsummer, mm-hmm. um, which is a good story, I think, for a younger crowd, too, because there's fantasy elements and there's there's some drama but in a way it kind of reads as a cw show so i feel like it's sort of attainable that's an interesting comparison that is so true though i think you're right about that it's very like that kind of high school conflict in those lovers dynamics so it, it felt very adult to dive in but at the same time it probably was kind of age appropriate for our listeners that don't know, that haven't read Midsummer or seen it, what's like a brief synopsis of it? Oh my gosh, let me try and do this from what I remember. No pressure. So there are two, there are two couples or two couples that are like trying to get together. There's a series of like confusions and magic and, and fighting and who's in love with who and, uh, some people are tricked into falling in love with the wrong person, and it's all trying to figure out uh, who should be matched with who, um, ultimately. CW show right there. Totally. It really is. Somebody's going to adapt it, like, soon, I'm sure. There have been a lot of adaptations of Shakespeare into, like, modern cinema, so I would not be surprised. Yeah, Totally. I forget that what is it um 10 things I hate about you yeah was that taming the taming of the shrew Shrew? yeah 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 there's another one but I uh, I don't remember but there were a couple of not an adaptation but I remember I also watched the Kenneth Branagh taming of the shrew um, the movie version and there's somebody else I forget her name the one who plays Trelawney in Harry Potter whose name escapes me, but they're both in this movie version. That's something else I'd watch with my friend, just kind Uh, of on our our own time and just being in love with Kenneth Branagh because he was very cute at the time. And I mean, still is, but yeah, yeah, we were just living life. I I was going to say the only, as part of my high school education, we had to watch Romeo and Juliet, but it was like that Leonardo DiCaprio version. Yeah, yes, we watched that as well. Which is not, like, I don't think that carries across, like, the actual Romeo and Juliet. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. It was not all the way there for me either. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it kind of feels like what they were doing at camp. Maybe that was the inspiration for the camp itself to translate these plays and put them in either modern or themed times. Maybe that, Maybe. that version really uh, inspired them. Do you have any particularly bad, like, experiences from camp? Like, did you ever, like, flub any lines or, like, really, did you, like, fall off the stage? Did did that ever happen to anybody? Oh, my gosh. I feel like, yes, now that I'm, (laughs) now that I'm thinking about it. 
Um, let's see. I don't know if anybody fell off the stage. People definitely missed cues. Yeah. Um, there was one girl, which was, it's kind of a bummer of a story, but I know she was at the time she was so upset because her mom like couldn't come see the show at the last oh. minute. And it was so sad. But then I, we developed a like a positive relationship where I was like cheering her on. And that was like really nice. But um, that was like the sad to happy story of a production. Wrong. But yeah. the other thing that happened um, were a few injuries from these competitive volleyball games that we would play at lunch, which like, why we're clearly not an athletic group of people yeah and it was a staple of camp so not even related to the shows but there were times where people somebody's I think somebody's nose was bleeding at some point and then you had to like go back into rehearsals or you know whatever and you'd have to explain like I it was the volleyball game and everyone was like oh my gosh I'm so sorry why is volleyball part of the programming at like a Shakespeare summer camp? That is such an it's odd combo. Hard to say. I truly do not know. It, team bonding. I I don't know the things people will do for morale boosts. Just wild. Yeah. The have you seen the um, documentary about the Nexium cult at all? No, I haven't. Well, they like obsessively play volleyball as part no. of their programming <laughs> and so you said so then you guys played volleyball and I'm, I'm just like thinking about this cult leader that's like let's play volleyball Shoot. what was the rationale behind that I think it was the same thing like team bonding like team getting bonding. people together I do think part of it was in that case was like getting people to stay up late he was having them play like all through the night Mm, okay, not in the middle it. of the day but right <laughs> same guess, same but different <laughs> I guess volleyball maybe involves less running than like soccer or something so I guess that's a positive right. but um that's an interesting choice for theater camp yeah it's interesting to run the risk of breaking your nose or something right before <laughs> this show that you've wor- worked for a whole week to do. Um, yeah. But, but it's a lot. I think somebody broke their wrist. It may have been a counselor. I There was a counselor who got pretty hurt from these volleyball games against, wow. I would say, the, on average, 12-year-olds. <laughs> um, so it, it got pretty intense. Um, so, yeah, strange that most of the intensity happened outside of the shows, but still during the day. Yeah. And do you think your interest in Shakespeare and going to Shakespeare camp, do you think that like pushed you to get further into theater and performing and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, for sure. I think it gave me the confidence to say, like, I can do this really hard thing. I can get these roles I want to get, even if it was kind of a scaled down competition. Um, But it did allow me to have those roles and take on this you know, like I can capture an audience feeling, yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, it's kind of a high, especially when you're a kid and you're like, everyone's paying attention to me. But it gave me a lot of the tools that I needed to, first of all, be really confident in school and stuff like this beyond theater. I, I definitely made me a more assertive person and a, yeah, just, yeah. It, it was for the better. But yeah, I we did other acting exercises too there that made me better at improv. It was probably the most of my improv experience because um, as an adult, I have not 
really been in the improv world and (laughs) improv is a whole world in itself it is it really is um but it's so so necessary for comedy especially for the kind of tiktok stuff that i do where Mm -hmm. i maybe have a couple of jokes scripted and then just spitball and delete what's not working and keep what sticks so with your tiktok stuff do you do you, how far in advance are you planning these ideas? Or do you just like come up with an idea and say like, oh, I'm going to make a TikTok about this today? Uh, yeah, not, not a whole lot of planning. There's, there are times when I'll jot stuff down on a phone note and just have a couple of like ideas, but really it's what I stumble across in my childhood bedroom that day or a shirt I find, or I just, I'm kind of like, what was embarrassing, <laughs> you know, 15 yeah. years ago? And that'll, that'll draw it out. Like one day I came across one of my cast shirts from a play. Okay. And I was like, I'm going to do a, a theater kid thing today, which a lot of people on TikTok have done. I'm definitely not the first one to do that. Yeah. But having the shirt, it was again where people were like, oh, something about the shirt is like triggering me. <laughs> like the shirt is very... I don't know. It really brings back some stuff. It's like a cult experience to be, you know, in matching shirts and. Yeah. I, I think the link between cults and theater is becoming increasingly I shouldn't. Clear. I think I've made that a theme, <laughs> which I didn't even mean to do. No, I mean, it's, I, you know, it's there, it's there. <laughs> I, I mean, I tried to get into theater and I felt the theater program at my high school was like, hard to break into in the sense that it was such it was such like a a click of people yeah like if I showed up to an audition I just felt like a sore thumb being there oh my gosh yeah yeah there are definitely those clicks who feel like kind of entitled to the space yeah (laughs) and there was do you watch pen 15 yes have you seen the second season I did right when it came out Okay, there's that whole bit with um, the theater production and uh, Maya and Anna get into theater and it becomes the actors versus the techies and that. It was very tense and felt very real because there are, the actors are very much like in charge of something. If if not actually in charge, like personality wise. They think, yeah, yeah, yeah. They think they're in charge. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, because you brought up improv, I was going to say, I feel like there are three worlds in comedy because there's like, you know, sketch, stand up and improv. But I do think that improv kind of like fills the base for a lot of those other areas. But it is just a very weird, like, I don't know if you've ever taken an improv class, but like the dynamics in improv are very strange. Yeah, I've taken theater classes and did like other theater camps when I was younger and it wasn't like a UCB improv class but was just doing those exercises but I'm sure the improv specific classes are also a whole other world yeah that's like a I don't know about because you were living in LA for a while so I don't know if like the scenes butt heads but like here in Boston it's like the improv scene slash kind of the sketch scene and the stand-up scene do not do not mix well. (laughs) Oh, interesting. I, yeah, I can see that. I feel like it was a little bit like that too. I think sometimes the, yeah, the improv and sketch didn't really mix. I feel like improv and stand up came together a little bit because people 
who were in classes together ended up also doing stand-up. So they just would have known each other. But yeah, sketch and improv, it felt like the actors and then the people who were behind the scenes. And it, yeah. like when there was no real reason for us to meet, especially going through an, uh, an improv or sketch school. Yeah. Um, like I did UCB and it was very much separate. Yeah. Um, well, I have to ask, since you're so big on TikTok, have you done any Shakespeare-related TikToks? Yeah, I did. I did a couple, and they bombed. They like, bombed. They not good. Um, one was just a girl who wants to do a Shakespeare play because she thinks she's gonna kiss somebody, and it's very much like. Very Wait, that sounds like home. that sounds like you. It's very much based on real life but uh yeah I some people could not relate to it and I was like okie dokes guess that was a me thing yeah. um, and then there was another one there's another one being a theater teacher okay um, who was saying like why would you do uh, this Shakespearean monologue like why would you do Phoebe's monologue you do know that's overdone don't you like that kind of thing which is not how my counselors were at camp but just kind of an amalgamation of theater teachers that have come yeah. in and out of my life sounds like a typical theater teacher I'm not surprised yeah and that was kind of the interesting thing about Shakespeare camp too is that we didn't really have these theater teachers who were directors and really took themselves seriously they were people in their 20s and 30s who were actors or um I don't know, one was a theater teacher at a local school and mm-hmm. they were just so cool. I thought they were the coolest people ever. So it never felt like this lofty presence. Yeah. At that camp. Like one of them made me a mixed CD and that oh. was the, like the best day of my life. <laughs> do you remember what was on the mixed CD? I do. It was a lot of bare naked ladies, which oh as I God. put together is such a, I was talking about this with someone. They were like, that's such a camp counselor band to like, I was like, it is. It sounds like a group of camp counselors that for the band. <laughs> I had on a guest. This was like months ago. He's a friend of mine. He is obsessed with the Beach Boys, but he wanted to talk about yeah. his obsession with the bare naked ladies. And I was like, oh. oh, I was like, oh, this is only going to be like a short episode. And I had to cut him off in an hour. I was like, I don't, I was like, this is, this is a very long episode about how Bare Naked Ladies has changed your life. And I was like, wow, I need to hear that because I didn't know anything about them. To this day, I don't really know a whole lot about Bare Naked Ladies, like what their deal is, but I can totally see that being a game changer for someone. Yeah. But also I'm guessing you went to these summer camps in like the early two, when, when were these summer camps? Um, so probably like 2006 or okay. seven so is makes, when I was starting. That makes sense that it would be heavy on the bare naked ladies. Cause I feel like that yeah. is when they were very popular. It was prime time. I'm trying to, there was some Beck on that CD also. Uh, yeah. Interesting. And then I'm, <laughs> this is a whole other thing. I like also made that counselor a mixed CD and I don't know Wait, what was on it. Did you, how did this CD exchange even happen? I, I don't know. This is like, now, as I'm saying it, I'm like, this might be a concern, but um, <laughs> we, I think we had just been talking about music. We always played 
all yeah. different music and people would just bring their own playlists, I think on CDs at that point um, and would listen to them during lunch or whatever. And I think I was like, this music is cool. And he was like, ever heard of Bare Naked Ladies? <laughs> and you're like, like, no, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> To be fair, I don't think you're the only one that has given mixed CDs because in my college sure. theater 101 class, I gave my professor, who was a grad student, um, a mixed CD that I was supposed to get extra credit for because he was going to play it in class. But then he told me that the song choices were too broody. <laughs> no, but that's what a mixed CD is for, I feel. <laughs> yeah. What was on it? Oh, I think it was when I was like in a real punk phase. So there was like some all-American rejects. Ooh. Oh, I like that to be played in class. And there was some stuff from like the Twilight Saga, I bet. I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that'll to be, do it. Yeah, it was not uh not not a great choice on my part. <laughs> I love it. It sounds like a soundtrack I would be into. I'm presently into the Twilight soundtrack, so. To be fair, I think that my upset, because I was very into Twilight as a teen, the only thing that I think still stands up is their the music. I think a lot of the music in the movies was very good. Yeah, totally holds up. I listen to it regularly. It's still, it's good, but there are certain songs I associate specifically with Twilight now, and I just can't. There is uh, one song that I, I, I'm just like, oh, this is that one scene in, in, in the original movie. And I'm like, I shouldn't remember this. I shouldn't it, know the baseball. massive? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. It's such a clear association. Um, there's, there's no going back with that one. I'm just like, oh, this is that baseball scene. Yep, always. And that's how Muse got put on my radar as a band. Yes. Um, and they too. didn't want to be associated with Twilight. And oh, they no. cut ties with Stephanie Meyer after a while. I, sh- I really, I did mm-hmm. not know that. I think after New Moon, they were like, we don't want to be like in any of your, cause she, I shouldn't know this, but she only used Muse because she wrote the books with, while like listening to a lot of Muse music. I did not know that at all. Yeah. That is wild. Oh my God. Wow. Those poor guys who are like, please get us out of this. Because <laughs> that's a heavy fandom to get away from. Oh, heavy. Like weird, heavy fandom. I still see yeah. TikToks of people that like go and to Forks, Washington and yes. visit the the like sites. And I'm like, no, you guys, you can't do this. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I really wanted to do that for a time. And it's wild that that has stood the test of time. It's just... <laughs> bananas I made a TikTok um that was like if Ariana Grande was in Twilight so it was like Ariana Grande being Bella which also flopped but I I personally was proud of it it's funny (laughs) that's a funny concept yeah but thank you it was it was a re-entry into Twilight during quarantine so that was that was fun revisited all of that yeah well, Sarah, we are wrapping up the podcast episode. Um, it's been great having you on. Where can our listeners find you and all of your content? Thank you so much. Uh, you could find me at haha underscore Sarah White on TikTok, Instagram, um, Twitter, everything. Yeah. Awesome. 
And as I say every week, guys, uh, you can find us wherever you found us. So, you know, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Pandora, which I guess people still use because we have a pretty good base of listeners on Pandora. Um, And don't forget to rate and review. Bye, everybody. This has been brought to you by Dead and Mellow. Follow us on all your social media platforms and shop around at deadandmellow.com to see all of our stand-up, music, and podcast releases. Thank you, and God bless America. All right, see you later. Are we actually leaving or just that dignity?